Would you turn with me, please, in your Bibles? What we are going to do today is something unique. We are going to have communion. That's not unique. Well, we're going to have communion at the first of the service. And so what we are going to do is kind of just think about and remember, what does Jesus Christ mean to me before we get into the very meat of this particular message? In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, who is just the most unique of men. You know, I've told you my love affair with Paul. I, bet I just love Paul. Well, Peter's moving in on this. He is amazing. When you think about Peter, you think about this man who was a warrior, a man who was a leader's leader. He was the guy that kind of led the apostles. But he was the one who, when he told Jesus Christ, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you, I am there. I am willing to die with you. And then shortly thereafter, after the Lord says, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're, you're gonna, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, he did. It devastated Peter. It was in that incident that later in Peter's life, when he went off fishing, that the Lord was at the shore, made them all some breakfast, sat down with Peter, and three times he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Each time Peter says, Lord, you know I do. And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I do. Peter, do you love me? You know all things, Lord. You know that I love you. And so Peter writes this particular book, and in it we see a real man's man. We see Peter, unlike Paul. John, John was the apostle that really loved everyone. But, but Paul was the one that taught faith and faith in Christ alone. And, and now comes Peter. And Peter teaches the same as both John and Paul, but from his perspective. Peter had a, a difficult task as we started this book off. He had the task of telling the people who were in Rome, who were now dispersed uh, on different areas because of persecution, that they were just but aliens. This is not your home. Don't be so... Don't be so taken up with the fact that you've lost what you thought was everything to you because this earth is not ours. You are aliens, he told them. This isn't your home. Your home is in heaven. And then he told them that, that I know you're going through difficulties, but everyone within the faith, everyone's going to be persecuted. Everyone's going to go through trials to one degree or another. And so he has taught us that. In the midst of that, he's taught us about our faith. And then, as I was starting to read, last, I think it was last Sunday, after some of the football games were over with, I went back into my office and I just started to see what was going to be on tap for this week. After we left 1 Peter chapter 1 and, and, and read up to verse 22. And I read verses 22 to 25. Read them with me. And it was after I read these verses that I called up Brian and I said, Brian, let's have communion this weekend. Because I think this, this place in Scripture leads us to a place of where there is unity within the body. There is a feeling of love for one another. You'll see what I thought. Read with me, please. Peter writes, verse 22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass. 
all of its glory like the flower of of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And then he finishes by saying, and this is the word which was preached to you. That's a great place in Scripture, folks. I want you to know that. It is a time to remember what we, why we live, what was the purpose of our life, and that is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our might, and to love each other as we do our own selves. And within the family of God, that is critically important. Now let's pray and let's get into this message and let's have communion in a moment. Uh, guys, you can get ready in about, I'd say, five minutes. Father, would you please open up our hearts and our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And would you move me aside, dear Father, so I don't interfere with what you want to say through this very wonderful place in Scripture where Peter reminds us that we are called to sincerely and fervently love one another. Bless us, dear Father. Bless, dear Lord, I I pray, uh, Ethan, uh, as he grows old, Father, may he grow old strong, not only in his might, but strong in his love for you. And, and may Fred and Lynette give him that idea of love, the love of, of God through the mom and dad. And Father, will you bless us as we study your words together. We ask you bless upon Hutch's church up in, up in Seattle. I, I pray that you'll bless them as well, Father. May... Uh, May we all, Father, be humbled by the fact that we know and love you and that you love us back. May that move us, Father, to do great and wonderful things for the cause of Christ as as the Strobels did and Mickey and so many others that walked to save lives. Oh, my gosh. Father, thank you for that. Now bless us, Father, as we go from here. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. You know... In the pace that we have here in Southern California, we're not as bad as New York, but Southern California is pretty fast-paced. This pace, we, we have a tendency to, to do something that's not, not very good, and that is to, to forget, due to our busyness, what happened at Calvary some 2,000 years ago. That Jesus Christ loved you and me so much that He gave Himself. He gave of Himself for our eternal soul. He rescued us from our sin and an eternity in hell. Isaiah 53.5 speaks of this, what the Savior did for us. Isaiah talks of this perfect love given through God's perfect sacrifice, His sinless Son. It said, Jesus was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. In other words, our sin. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. And by His scourging, you and I have been healed. Jesus Christ sacrificed Himself for every single one of us who believe in Him. Now, if you're here this morning 
and you're investigating about this one called Jesus Christ, and you don't know for certain whether you've asked Him into your heart, you don't know for certain if you trust in Him for the forgiveness of your sin, we want you to listen closely. We want to be a part of of giving you information so that you might intelligently make a decision to accept Christ. Or, if you wish, intelligently refuse Him. But so that you would know the difference. So that you might make a decision that is yours. Because once you come to Christ and it's yours, there is something special about that. There is a bond in your heart that, well, only you know what it feels like. And so, with this love that we have, those of us who believe, we ought to be consumed, consumed with an unending gratitude of Jesus Christ and for what He has done for us, which lift me to saying we ought to have communion to remember all that He means to us. But beyond what He means to us is our love for one another. Our love for the body of Christ. That there ought to share and be created within you and me a mutual love that is shared throughout the body of Christ. Listen to what John says. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Listen. John says, Beloved, talking to the family of God, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God, John writes, is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might believe through or we might live through Him. Let me repeat that. It was brought into the world so that we might live through Him. In this, John writes, verse 10, is love. Not not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sin. Beloved, John ends this part with saying, If God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. Therefore, Peter calls us to have a sincere love of the brethren, fervently, a love that comes from our heart. Before we have communion, let me just share this. not a part of my notes. It's a part of my thinking about the church. The one thing that baffles me about Christianity that baffles me about the church is that we would not have a mutual love for one another. It's, it's the part of, of church and it's a part of human that I do not completely comprehend. The Bible over and over and over and over again tells us that we are to love one another, that there ought to be no division within the body of Christ. And what boggles my mind is sometimes there are. Sometimes there are people within the family of God who for whatever reason, divide themselves from the family when they know better. Let me give you an example. This happens way too often in the church. Let's say the Strobels, God forbid, that never did anything that would offend me. John and Kathy. And I know that they did. So I go to you and I say... I don't want to gossip. What I'd like for to do is uh, 
I'd like for us to pray for John and Kathy Strobel. They are so far out of uh, fellowship. <laughs> um, they offended me deeply, and uh, what they did was terrible. Don't tell a soul, but pray for them, please. Thanks. Have you heard about John and Kathy Strobel? <laughs> I don't want to gossip about them, because God forbid that I would do that. But boy, they've offended me. So I'd rather you didn't tell a soul about this, but would you pray for them? They need your help. They're really in bad shape. What's wrong with that? And that's what happens within the family of God. We go to other people to verify what we think. Where should I have gone? Where should I have gone? Come on, church, tell me. I should have gone to John and Kathy immediately. Give me a hug. Let's all stand there. I love you. I should have gone to John and Kathy and said, John and Kathy, in private, I heard something, and is it true or not? And John could say to me, say to me no, if I have offended, or yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, but, but we could iron it out between the two of us. Hopefully we would, we would come to a place where we both forgive one another or do what is necessary to build the body of Christ up rather than to tear it down. And that's the proper way of handling it. When anyone comes to me with a problem about another person, I always say, stop, stop, stop. Let's go find that person, and you tell them, and I'll be there as a witness for you. Every time they say, no, no, it's not that big of a deal. Well, you came to me. Seems to be a big deal. For the life of me, I can't understand why we wouldn't have such a love for one another here in this body. We love the same Lord. We've been gifted, each of us individually, by the same Lord to do whatever it is that He has gifted us to do. And within that privilege of serving Him, we get to serve one another and help each other grow in our faith. And this is what this is all about. This is what communion is going to be all about. This is what the message is going to be all about today. It's now... Guys, can you come forward and we pass out communion right now, please? It's 11.46. I want to close on time, which will be 12.15. So I'm going to give us about two or three minutes to kind of think through. Here's what I want you to do, if you don't mind. I would think, if there's any sin in your heart that you know of, anything that you know that you need to be... Can I have one, please? Anything in your heart or life that you know of that is, that is kind of separating you from your really pleasant walk with the Lord, being blessed by Him... Deal with it. Confess it. Ask Him to forgive you. Move on from that point. After that, what I would ask you to do before you take the bread and the wine, wait for me, um, I would love for you to, to remember all that Jesus Christ has done for you. Think about Him. Think about how much He loves you. Remember what John says. It's not so much that we love Him, but that He loves us. Think about that. Now, my original plan was to try to make us all pray so we could have unity within the body of Christ, but who am I to tell you what to pray for or what to remember before we take communion? It's not my place to do that. And so I'll leave you to consider what it is you want to remember of the Lord as you sit and pray to Him. Now, I'm going to be quiet for the next three minutes. We're going to, at at 10 till, we'll take communion. But for three minutes now, you guys just be quiet. Ask the Lord to forgive anything you think there might be sin in your heart. And... uh, Remember him, and I'll be right with you in a minute. Thank you for letting us have communion at the start. Let's, let's get into the message.
Because I think this is critical to understand. Peter calls us in verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter 1 to have a sincere love for the brethren. He asks us to fervently love one another from our hearts. Scripture repeatedly states that a genuine godly love, whether it be for our Lord or for others, is a call within your life and my life. There's no option. There is a call within our lives to love one another. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. We read out of 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Listen, John says, You and I love because God first loved us. That's John 4, 1 John 4, 7, 19. In verse 20 he says, If someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, John writes, he is, that person is a liar. The one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Jesus declared to his disciples in one of the great places in Scripture, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said this. He says that love will unmistakably mark you as followers of me, said Jesus Christ. He says this in verse 34 of John 13, A new commandment I give to you. The new commandment was this, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, Jesus says, I want you to love one another. Next verse, verse 35. By this, by the way you love one another, all people are going to know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's not an option. We are called to love one another. And Paul states in 1 Corinthians 13, without love, we are nothing. We're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Even if we would do great things, yet without love, it says that it would profit you or me nothing. Paul says that true godly love is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. He says it bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. Finally, Paul ultimately teaches us that love never fails. doesn't. Listen to a few of uh, our calls to love one another. I just picked some out of Scripture. Um, this is my wheelhouse. I love talking about loving one another. It's, it's, it's what I love to do. Listen, John 15, 12 speaks about love much as John 13, 34, and 5 does. Jesus repeats himself and says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. That's John 15, 12, just as John 13 was mentioned. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Be devoted, be devoted, church, to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Honor one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.9, Paul writes, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you. Paul's saying, I don't need to remind you of this. I didn't need to write you of this. Listen to what he goes on to say. For you yourselves have been taught by God. And what we've been taught is this, love one another. Simple as that, folks. Love one another. Peter also says in verse 22, back in 1 Peter, that we have, in obedience to the truth, we have purified our souls 
The word purified there in the Greek is H-A-G-N-I-K-O-T-E-S. It's a, it's a perfect participle. By that, it describes a, a past action that puts forward continuing results. In other words, what happened in our past should be a continuation throughout our lives. We are to purify our souls as a way of life. Paul agrees in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. He says, Do you not know, do you not know this, Paul writes, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? He goes on to say in the fourth verse, Therefore, you and I have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in this newness of life. We've been given a new life. We've been purified. We, what happened in the past should be a continuing action within our lives. Verse 22 of 1 Peter chapter 1 also refers again to obedience. I think that was an ongoing theme of Peter's ever since I believe what happened to him there when he watched our Lord on trial and denied him three times. In some way, I believe Peter speaks of obedience just as Paul spoke of faith. Let me repeat that. Peter speaks of obedience unto the Lord, much like Paul gave us the whole issue of faith in the Lord. Paul wrote to those in Rome concerning faith and obedience. Paul wrote, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as a slave for obedience... You are a slave of the one you obey. He says this, Either you are a slave of sin, which will result in death, or you are a slave of obedience, which results in righteousness. Which is it for you? Which is it? To be obedient. To follow the Lord. Peter states that through obedience, and I believe perhaps above everything else that he mentions, obedience is his theme. He says, through obedience we see the evidence that we have truly met, truly believed in Christ, and truly are being changed by Him. Look, at Jesus, Jesus Himself said concerning obedience in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet not do what I say? Think about that. He is our Lord and our Savior. And Jesus told them, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Obedience. It's critical in your life and my life. It's a part of the evidence that we walk with our Lord. And He has asked you and me to love one another within the body of Christ. To love Him with all of our hearts, our soul, and our strength. And to love one another as we do our own selves. Now, Peter talks about... He makes a quote out of, out of Isaiah 40 in verses 23, 24, and 25. Look at it. He says, You have been born again, not of a seed that is perishable, but imperishable. That is, you've been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. You know that I love that verse. The Word of God is everything to you and me. Then he mentions flesh. He says, Flesh is like grass. In verse 24. All of its glory like the flower of grass. Grass, he says, withers, the flower falls away. It, it's gone, falls off. But, verse 25, the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which has been preached to you. 
May I say as humbly as we know how here at this church, that is what we try to do, preach the Word of God. We don't tell you about a denomination. We don't tell you about a lot of bells and whistles that go along with some churches. We talk to you about the Word of God. We preach to you the Word of God. And we allow the Word of God to change your life. This is what will do it. And we do that week in and week out. It's being done upstairs with the kids. It's done whoever stands in this pulpit preaches the Word of God. So verse 23 begins with Peter saying why we are to love one another. Well, it's because you and I have been born again. You see that in verse 23. The perfect tense of the participle, having been born again, is a long, 15 letters, Greek word. It emphasizes this new birth which occurred in your past, has an ongoing result now in your present, and will fulfill you into the future. In other words, you are covered by the grace of God. You have been forgiven and you are as much a part of heaven right now as we sit here as you'll ever be if you've come to Christ. If not, we ask you, why not? What are you waiting for? What's stopping you from coming to Christ? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5:17, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creature. Old things, he says, have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Think back when you came to Christ. Has your life changed? Have you seen a change in it? I can honestly say I have in mine. If I were to go back and tell you about some of the things I used to do, it would curl your hair. don't want to do that. The Lord has forgiven me and I, He has forgotten it. And I'm trying to forget it myself. I want to be this new creature. I want to see the new things have come into my life. And I want that for you as well. And verse 23 says, You have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but that which is imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. An earthly father in- initiates human life with a corrupted seed, but God initiates this spiritual birth with a seed that is imperishable. And this human seed that, 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 that all of us have had a part of from our fathers and our mothers, which is perishable, we will all one day die. That's part of life is death. And verse 24 reminds us of that. All flesh is like grass. And all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass will wither and the flower will fall off. All of us have this one thing in common. We will all pass away one day. We will all die. But verse 25 informs us of this great truth. But the word of the Lord endures forever, Peter writes. And this is the word which was preached to you. I know you understand here. I know this is why you come here. You don't come here for bells and whistles. You come here to hear the gospel being preached to you. You seek out, week in and week out, the overwhelming importance of preaching God's amazing, life-giving, life-changing word. My plea to all pastors who open their doors and call themselves a Christian church is to preach the word of God, period. I make that statement because it has come to my attention through some letters that some people have heard me in Kansas and New York and across this. I don't know how they get it, but I get, they get us by Internet. And so I plead to you, preach the Word of God if you're a pastor. Preach the Word of God. 
And I'm going to say something that I don't know, ever say in this pulpit. I never remember saying anything like this, but I've seen it advertised too much on my television. For those of you that follow or look after Joel Osteen, stop. He's a heretic. He does not preach the Word of God. If you just want to watch a, 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 a what do they call it, a, a, a comedy, what do they call that thing in TV, just a, a, a comedy, I don't know, a sitcom. If you want to watch a sitcom, go ahead, enjoy it. But don't listen to him for biblical things. And I'm not the only one that says that. John, you should hear John MacArthur go off on him. And he's being, ever, he, you know, he sits in this, this huge church and he has all these people. And people say, wow, he must be. No, he's not. No, he's not. I want you to be careful what you listen to him. I know I don't do this very often, but I, I did it today. <laughs> Stay away. Peter noted that whether something is as common as grass in verse 24 or as uniquely lovely as a flower, they eventually will wither, they eventually will fall off, they eventually will die. But God's seed, God's seed which is imperishable, will live forever. If you ever want to take a, just a fun trip through the Bible, read through Job. It's, it's deep. It's, it, it, you ought to have a commentary when you read through it, but read through Job in Job chapter 3, verses 17, 18, and 19, Job tells us that nobody escapes the grave. Nobody escapes death. Not those who are great, nor those who are not so great. Job writes in Job 3:17, there, talking about the grave, the wicked will cease from raging. There, talking about death, the weary will be at rest. The prisoners are at ease together. They do not hear the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. In Christ, however, verse 25 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter explains there is a whole other issue with Christ, with people, common or uncommon, great or small. They will never deteriorate. They will never die spiritually. Instead, they are like what he says in verse 25, the word of the Lord, which endures forever. The saving word of the Lord. The word, word here in the Greek is rhema. R-H-E-M-A. The common word for word throughout Scripture is logos. But Peter doesn't use logos here when he says the word of the Lord endures forever. He uses rhema because rhema is talking about He's talking about the good news, the gospel, rhema, the gospel. The gospel of the Lord endures forever. And so you see, you and I cannot, nobody can be saved, born again, apart from the Word of God, apart from the gospel. And the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ lived. He went to the cross and died, shed His blood and died and then three days later, He rose from the dead to give life to all and everyone who would but believe in Him. That is the gospel. And Peter is saying that good news, that gospel will endure forever. This book and its words will give you and me salvation for our souls. It will teach us how to live our lives and become the, the man, the woman that God has called us to be by studying this, the Word of God. You want a miracle today? I'll tell you a miracle today. Read the Word of God. 
Watch God do miracles in and through your life. I'm not talking about... I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what God's going to do. I just know He will do miracles through the reading of the Word of God. He will bring about something in your life that will bless you beyond your wildest dream. This book and its words is what brings about true salvation for your soul. And so, as we love one another as a body of Christ, the commandment is that, that we are to love one another. We're to love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our might. And we are to love each other as we do ourselves. Now, we've got a leg up. This church has been fantastic. And I bless you, and I thank God for you. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this. We really have a, a feeling of unity here but I don't want Satan to think he's got a, we're unaware. No, I want him to know that we're on the guard, that we're watching. I want us to love one another. I want us to have unity within this great body of ours. I thank God for you people. I tell you week in and week out that I love you. It's a part of who I am as a, as a being. It's my favorite thing to tell you, to be honest with you, that I love you. I love you with all my heart. I love you and I thank you for challenging me to get into the Word of God and to study so that I can come back next week and, and try again. And I want you to love one another. I want this church to be a, a standard within this community. And people like the Strobels who go out and Mickey and Sherry who go out and, and do great things for the cause of Christ through our church. Did we plan you to do that or did you guys do that on your own? The walk of life. Did, we, did the church set that up or did you and asked us to do it and then you did it? It's the whole church. What my point is, is that you can have an idea and do great things too. We, to my knowledge, we didn't set that up. John and Kathy did, to my knowledge. And that's all I was asking. If you want to do great things, you too can. Nobody's stopping you here at our church. We could do great things for the cause of Christ and bring the family of Christ together. And if you want to have fun, I would encourage you to include Mickey. <laughs> that's, 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 that's free. You don't have to pay for that one. That, that's part of the... Listen, I do love you. After, this, after I pray, we will have pray, people praying for you. If you want anybody to pray with you or for you about anything, you can come up here, or I guess there will be someone over there. Is that true? I don't know. We'll, one side or the other. And... Um, we would love to be able to pray. We want to be a church that prays for one another. And so if you have any prayer needs, and, and the people that you're going to ask to pray for you, they will keep it very private. They won't do like uh, that little thing I demonstrated at the st start of the service. We, we want to be a church that loves one another. So let me, Father, let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. What a privilege. What, a, what an honor. Thank you for Danielle and, and, and Al being here, Lord. Uh, gosh, thank you. May they go back safely to Seattle area. May they go back safely to Antioch. And, uh, and will you continue to bless that church and bless Al and, and the staff there. And, and Lord, thank you for him being here. Uh, what a privilege. And Lord, we want to thank you for your word that, that Peter taught us today about loving each other with a sincere and fervent heart that we love one another. Thank you, Father, for Peter. What a great, great representation he is. Lord, we love him. And Father, we love each other here at this church. We thank you for that, that you've taught us this. 
may we continue it, Father. May we not uh, grow uh, kind of uh, unaware and, and, and let Satan sneak up on us. Let us be careful with that. I thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.